Welcome to the Final Score Network and the Final Score Podcast, presented by Team Anders Realtors. I'm Andy. He's former D3 student athlete and co-host... Ryan! Cam! Two-man monster flush! Off the inbound! Ryan Cam Slam Jam! Find us on Podbean, the Apple Podcast Store, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at TheFinalScore35. There is always plenty to run through, but before we get to it, a word from our presenting sponsor. Team Anders' goal is to serve its clients in finding the home that best fits their needs and make the process simple and fun along the way. They are a team of people who will be in close communication, personally taking care of your real estate needs through technology, marketing, and advertising. Team Anders has served thousands of clients over 30 plus years in the Grand Rapids, Michigan area, and are here to serve you today. Learn more at teamanders.com. Welcome to TFS pod number 70. Yep, approaching that whatever 75th anniversary is called, golden, silver, I don't don't know. Anyway, baseball is getting into gear. Tigers are sitting in third place. A lot of injuries, need some pitching to go with some hitting or vice versa. They'll work it out. It's too damn cold. They shouldn't even be playing baseball at this point in time. NBA playoffs are underway. I believe the NHL playoffs are underway. Plenty of stuff going on there. NFL draft next week. We'll have our draft special with Ryan and Riley. And I'll just be kind of like the clown show in the background, chiming in once in a while on some stupid stuff. This week, we had enough topics that we're actually back to around the world. So we'll do that. We'll bounce back and forth between around the world or four downs, depending on what we got going on. Got some fun stuff that we started last week. We'll carry it through. But for now, let's get to the podium. Ryan, the lectern is yours. A topic of conversation that comes up a lot on this podcast is Michigan State basketball. Um, If you've listened to any episodes, you obviously know that. And I'm going to bring it back because, well, folks, we might be in dire straits. Julius Marble um, this afternoon announced he was going to enter the transfer portal um, and leave Michigan State. Um, leaving Mission State with one true center on their roster. Um, Madi Sissoko, who's averaged five minutes per game in two seasons, had uh, like four DNPs down the stretch in like four of the last five games. Um, oh boy. This is what we we didn't want to see, and it's happening. Um, and, and these guys, you know, Jalen Bridges, who we talked about in the portal, um, leaning toward not coming to Michigan State right now. So it's not looking good for Michigan State. They've got a lot of holes to fill. Um, and if Hauser comes back, they'll have eight or nine scholarship guys with when you can use 13. That's unbelievable, terrible. I'm, uh, I'm just beside myself when it comes to this. You have to use the portal, Tom. If you don't, we're screwed. We're not going to do anything. We're going to, the streak's going to break. We're going to, our program's going to break. It's going to become, I love them, but it's going to be like D'Antonio, but maybe even worse. You're going to burn down this very empire that you built over 27 seasons. It's going to crumble to the ground in the blink of an eye. So this thing better change because, uh, man, it's it's not looking good right now. Um you know, try to look on the bright side, but I feel like there, there really is no bright side. Christie's probably gone. Um, you know, it's, it's just crazy. Um, so I guess we'll see what happens here in the next few months. But uh, the panic button has been pressed. Um, we've officially gone from yellow to red, um, and it's it's not good. 
two starters that you lost, and let's be honest, I wouldn't have thought until Ryan mentioned it yesterday in a text that Marble would leave. Um, he's going to be a starter, so it's not because of that. So there's clearly something else going on. You know, I love Julius, so I wish you well, big fellow, wherever you go. But you're losing a starter there, likely, or like Ryan said, Max Christie. All signs are pointing to the fact that he's going to go unless he gets a really bad draft grade. All of a sudden, you go from probably, arguably, one of the best teams going into the Big Ten yeah. season next year with, with everybody, you know, and what's been lost to now what? I mean, you got a freshman big coming in who doesn't play defense. You got Sissoko who can play defense but is still really clunky. I mean, the guy's only been playing basketball for five years, for crying out loud. Um, maybe you weren't working the portal for a big because you didn't see this coming, but this is why you work the portal and you fill the gaps and you have depth on your team. You need to have three guys really at every spot because injuries happen, attrition happens. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens over the next couple of weeks, but um, that was a kick in the jimmy that Michigan State took, so that's my uh, podium light, I guess. My podium is on a topic that we haven't, I guess, focused on a lot too much lately, but it's just more and more in the news as spring football kind of winds down, as recruiting will start to kind of ramp back up. You know, We're going to get into Michigan State's spring game in a segment. Ryan's going to give you the lowdown since he was there. NIL. I mean, we've talked about it before. My buddy Dan and I talk about it and how it's going to take down the game um, of college sports. And really the transfer portal is right up there too, right? Like the, I get it most of the time for the one free transfer, but this is, it's getting out of hand. Um, you're hearing about six, seven figure deals for high school students to go to a college there's no control of it. I mean, there's nothing to say that Matt Ishbia couldn't just open up his checkbook or Dan Gilbert and start paying guys. And how is that different than the way that the cheating was back in the 70s, 80s, 90s? I mean, like, I I get it. You should be able to earn off your name, image, and likeness, but there has to be a cap. There has to be some boundaries. There has to be something. But the problem is, is the NCAA screwed the freaking pooch because they were too slow to get off the pot and everybody else surpassed them with pressure and in today's society where it's gimme, 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 now, 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 you're just going to see it snowball. Um, I've I, I got to imagine, we haven't talked about in a while, that a Super League is going to be coming. They're going to break off from the NCAA. It's not good for college. It's not. You're, the March Madness, the way that you love it with the mid-majors and the small guys beating the big guys, the St. Peter's of the world, that's going to go away um, at this rate, you know. You tell me that it spreads the wealth. It doesn't spread the wealth. It spreads the wealth for the wealthy. I mean, Tennessee is one of those. They've got a five-star recruit that's a, a seven-figure NIL deal to okay. go to Tennessee. Like, okay, how is that good for college football? It's good for the kids, yeah, but it's not good for college football. It's, there's no separation of church and state anymore. I may as well just hang my hat on the USFL. Let's just call the NCAA the USFL and pay these guys and just play whenever and have it be a minor, a true minor league because that's where we're going. Um, college, college sports, I get it as when I was a kid and as I've known and loved, are never going to be the same. But until somebody does something and steps up and does something to get this back into control and put some guardrails on it and put it back in a box to you know to an extent. And yeah, we talked about how long before you know. Big Pockets Joe stops giving seven figures to recruits when they don't pan out or they transfer or whatever. I don't know. I don't want to wait that long. I don't want to see what's going to happen. Um, NCAA just sits there with their hands in their pockets and this ho-hum, dumbass, 
look on their face, probably because they're located in Hoosier land in Indiana, the bunch of freaking dumbass rednecks. I don't even can't even tell you what a Hoosier is. Um, and hey, look, I applied for a job and was a finalist for a job in the NCAA way back in the early 2000s. I'm telling you, the NCAA is broken as hell. Focus on the things that matter. Getting these kids an education, making sure that they've got insurance, providing for them so that they have a good experience so everybody can eat. You've heard these stories. I don't know how much I buy that a college. I never knew. Let's put it this way. I never knew a college athlete at Michigan State that struggled to eat. So when I hear these stories, I wonder what's really going on. Eat what? Eat filet mignon and caviar every day? I mean... I, I don't know. It doesn't all add up to me. It's fishy. I'm tired of it. It's ruining what I love. There's probably going to be a lots more times to talk about it on the podcast. I just had to kind of get it off my chest because it's been headline after headline in The Athletic lately. Um, I can't even read it anymore. I just skip and skim past those headlines. It's, it's, it's nauseating. All right, let's move to our tee up uh, of the week. And not a lot of huge candidates, I would say, this week. Ryan and I had a bat this one back and forth a little bit on text today. So for our golf fans out there, we're, we're going to give it to the PGA, maybe specifically the PGA Tour official at the RBC, at, you know, the Heritage uh, down in Hilton Head, the course that Ryan and I got to play last year, um, for taking a fan, or actually a resident, I think is what it was, a resident's word over a player's word mm. on whether a ball was in or out of bounds. Now, look, I, I will admit, I did not watch it. I've read the story a few times. I don't know that they have a great camera angle on it. The the, the sh- long and short of it basically is Varner hit a ball that was dangerously close to out of bounds. I think on the other side of maybe a, a body of water. It was probably close to somebody's backyard. He asked the person that was in the yard, presumably the resident, can you identify the ball? It's a whatever, Titleist 2, whatever Varner plays. I don't know what he plays, but Whatever it is, with whatever marking, yep, it's your ball. And as he moved, as he picked it up, Varner claims that he put it back down. Not on purpose. Not That's not what I got out of it. But put it back down out of bounds. And so the official came over, you know, verified that it was Varner's ball um, and that he was, in fact, out of bounds and assessed him a penalty. So he had to go back to the tee and, and re-hit. Um, you know, stroke and distance type of thing. Now, Part of you could say, okay, part of it, Varner, you gotta, you or your caddy's got to deal with that situation instead of relying on a fan. But why we want to tee up the official is because there's a lot of decorum in golf. And since when do you take a fan's words over golfer's words? Yeah. Like the guy who does it for a living, who understands where, you know, probably where his ball was it, maybe it was out of bounds to begin with. I don't know. Um, but put it this way, Varner lost by, missed out on a playoff by a shot. So it mattered. And I know in the grand scheme of 72 holes, there's a lot of those shots you could get back. But that's a pretty big one. And I think you got to tee him up. Ryan, you got any thoughts on that? No, it's ridiculous. And the, <clears throat> excuse me, the, uh, what's his name, Fratelli thing, hit, when he had to hit out of the oh, tree. Oh, yeah, hit out of the tree. That's another thing. And he, out of the, what, I don't remember what kind of tree it was, like a cypress tree or whatever. The ball's hanging in the tree, and so he had to like swing from above it. Well, the way he was standing, he made a great shot and actually recovered at the time what he thought was a par. Um, but the way he was standing, a stride of his line, I think, is what it was. That's just one of those dumb rules of golf. That's not an official, a rules official. Although, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. Chris, you would know. Um, you're listening. You can t- text me after you hear this. Maybe a rules official can't give you advice like, hey, that's against the rules. You can't hit that way. I, I feel like they could if he asked. 
Yeah, um, I because I mean, Scotty Scheffler was asking about you know at the Masters poking around to feel for a route in the you know in the official guided. So I don't know, maybe it's not for Tilly to ask. Either way, kind of a combo of dumb rules slash don't listen to the fan over the player, regardless of what the end concept might be. Yeah. All right, Ryan. Around the world we go. Um, got some fun. Got some football. Got some golf. Let's uh, start it off with, this one's all you, my man, um, Michigan State Spring Recap. Yeah, um, attended the spring practice, really was what it was uh, this past Saturday from Michigan State. Um, came away very impressed with, you know, the structure of the practice, how quickly they move, um, you know, just, just the all-in-all structure, structure of it, the intensity of it. Um, you can feel it in the stands. is really cool. Um definitely you know seemed like a, like a really good practice um, and took away you know a good amount from it you know quarterback position you know Peyton Thorne um, obviously he's the he's the clear-cut guy but he oh man that he's a dude man he uh, his the balls he was throwing he looks so comfortable just tossing them um, you know he's got full command of the offense he's communicating a lot um, I expect him to be even better this year than he was last year and he was he broke the single season passing touchdown record, so um, you know take that for what it is. Um, Noah Kim, um, Hamp Fay, Caden Hauser, all the you know the 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 backups kind of fighting for that that QB two position. You know all all did some decent things. I thought both all had pretty decent arms. Kim probably knows the system the best, so I think he had a lead. Hamp Fay, good size, pretty fast. Not necessarily. He was great. a wide receiver until yeah. his junior year. I, of high I am school. very very excited about Caden Hauser. You can tell that he just has that that it factor to him. He can spin the ball. He's got an absolute rocket. He can throw it deep. Um, he's got great, 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 great technique. Um, he's going to be really good down the road. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets some snaps this year, honestly, in certain situations to try to work him in, um, kind of get him acclimated to the system. Um, running back, we saw Donovan Eaglin transfer out yesterday, so that's one fall. Not a surprise. Um, yeah, not a surprise. I wouldn't be surprised to see you know a, a, a Jordan Simmons fall out as well if not. Too keen. We have any backs coming in? I mean, aside from Broussard, obviously, but any freshmen coming in? I don't believe so. They got to have one freshman in the class coming in. Maybe I don't. I don't think so. Um, Either way, but yeah, I mean, Jalen Berger, you can tell he's kind of you know that the dude. It was kind of the dude out there, you know, to kind of beat. Um, You know, he's definitely he's got pretty good size to him. He's a big back. He's he looks like he's you know hits the hole pretty hard. Finishes runs. Um, Was impressed with Davion Prim. They spoke. Very highly of him here, um, you know, all spring. Definitely think he's kind of the closest to Kenneth Walker, not him uh, by any stretch of the imagination. But um, you know, could could be him, um, you know, in the future. Um, similar running style to him. Um, you know, Elijah Collins. He's he's what he is. You know, Harold Joyner as well. Um, then you bring in a guy like Jer- Jared Broussard um, coming in here. Um, you know, in the in the summer, um, could be really good. Was Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year two years ago. Um, so definitely a talented guy. Um, offensive line very thin um, due to injury. wasn't wasn't able to have the scrimmage because of that. But, you know, guys developing. Um, you know, along that line, that's good stuff. I think that. You know that getting those reps for those younger guys is very helpful. Still, definitely the the position area of concern going into twenty twenty two. Running five is probably solid, but yeah, just the depth. Just the depth is not it's great. Not very a lot of second year guys that have no experience or third year guys really. Um, so we will see what happens there. Bringing Brian Green in the summer will help a a, a veteran. Um, but yeah, um, you know, tight end um, Carr was hurt, so didn't see him. 
Hunt kind of dinged up, didn't see him much. Um, so the, the kind of guys that are, are going to be featured in that offense, not really in there. Um, but super excited about this position with, with those two, um, as well as Jack Nickel, who actually was, was practicing. He looks good. He's a big body freshman, probably going to crack the, the lineup, you know, play, play a little bit. He's a good blocker. And then Daniel Barker coming, all time leading touchdown receiver for uh, Illinois tight ends. Um, in their school's history, so bright future there. Um, and then receiver, definitely on the offense, the most stacked position um, the Michigan State has. You know, Jaden Reed's probably going to be, you know, an All-American candidate. You got Trey Mosley, who doesn't he catches everything within his radius. Um, Keon, Keon, big play Coleman. Um, I think he's going to be a stud. He's so tall and athletic. That's that stuck out to me. I'm really watching. That's a red zone threat waiting to happen. And you got guys like Christian Fitzpatrick. You know, um, Montori Foster didn't did not practice, but he's a, a nice you know fit fit in for for Jalen Naylor. Um, then Jeremy Bernard uh, was impressed with his speed. He's probably got to get stronger, but um, I think he's going to be a really good player down the road. True freshman. Um, so yeah, that's the, that's kind of the the receiving core, the offense. Um, didn't really see any special teams, so. Um, skip that part, but D line. Michigan State's D tackles are just ginormous human beings. All, all six of them, or whatever that were at the, you know, practicing. All those guys are gonna play a lot of downs, which is great. Um, definitely a strong suit. And then defensive end is what I'm kind of interested to see what happens. You got a, a guy like Brandon Wright who switched over from running back, and he looked really good. He looked like he put on looked some good in the Peach Bowl. Look, put on some, add some weight, strength. He's fast. He's got some bend around the edge. You know, he's getting. You know, Brandon Jordan's teaching him um, some good techniques. So I think he's going to be a, a guy to watch. A third down kind of you know hybrid. You can maybe even drop him to coverage. If you had to, um, and a guy like Jeff Petrowski who just goes super hard. Chris Bogle um, transferred in from Florida, dude, six six at least. I mean, he's huge. He's a, uh, I mean, he's going to be. It's a really good body um, to throw in there, and then you know, linebacker Crouch is hurt. I don't know what his situation is going to be if he comes back or not. Um, I mean, you know, you look at Cal Halliday, the boogeyman. Um, just he's so solid. Um, is a great option there to, as a redshirt sophomore, and then you got these these transfers, Aaron Brule um, and Jacoby Winmon. I was I was blown away by these guys. They're big, they're fast, they're physical, and smart football players. They made in the small scrimmage portions of the scrimmage were making play after play. Winmon had a, a scoop six in in one of the drills. Um, Fast. I mean, those guys are those guys are legit. So I'm very happy about where Michigan State's front seven is right now. Um, and honestly, like I feel, I feel a lot better about the trajectory of the secondary. Williams is hurt right now, so did not practice. But mere speed, um, definitely a physical guy. Um, long, fast. I mean, he's very tall, six three corner. Um, Charles Brantley was in and out. He's you got the red jersey on too, so no contact. But good to see him out there. Kimbrough's playing some nickel, which probably fits better. What he's looking for. I forgot to mention Darius Snow. Darius Snow is playing linebacker slash nickel. Um, he's going to be a heck of a player. Um, Dumper throw him in there. Good tackle. Um, safety, I think you know with 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 X and uh, and Angelo Gross. I think that's two really good guys. And then. Being able to get them some some rest with some you know some some young guys that were in there, um, you know, and uh, Jaden Mangum, um, who's a, a true freshman as well, um, you know, getting them run back there is gonna be super good. Um, so very, you know, I think if Michigan State's def- pass defense is, you know, twenty five percent better, you know, that's probably 
Well, I also remember nobody was thrown on more than Michigan State last year. Now, part of that's it's chicken and egg, right? Part of it's because the secondary gave up so much. Um, but you also look like their yards per passing play were, were not the worst. Total yards were the worst and things like that. And they don't get me wrong. they got a long ways to go, but I don't think they're that far off. Tuck is coaching them hands-on this year mm-hmm. with Barnett. He's getting back into that, which he loves to do. Um, you know, Coach D, that was always a specialty of his, and he worked closely with guys that, you know, like Waynes and um, Darquez. Darquez, you know, guys like that that were really, really good. Um, I think you're going to see some big improvements out of the defense. Uh, it'll be interesting. For me, from my perspective, I watch a little bit of it on TV. I did not brave the chilly weather. Sounds like there was 15,000, 20,000. They're pretty good for a, you know, a spring game on a crappy day and not really a game. It was practice. But I will, I would like to contend and argue that a practice in that situation with all the recruits that were there it was a huge recruiting day for Michigan State. It was actually better than a spring game because a spring game is what it is. It's a scrimmage. It's you on you. You don't really get to see much. You don't get to see how coaches coach. How co- guys got to be on the sideline and see how coaches coached up the players and the position groups and how they interacted with their guys and how they. You know what's what was their demeanor and what was their style and things like that. I think that goes a long way further. Yeah, it's not as sexy as an actual game and blah blah. I get it, but you know you only get 15 practices in the spring. Let's use them wisely, and if that's their best chance for recruiting, then hey, I'm all for it. Doesn't matter to me anyway. It's all about getting guys better and getting good recruits to commit because yep. they see what's going on. So I think, super excited. Yeah, I think it's looking record. good. Um, we'll. we'll keep getting in and out of Michigan State football, um, maybe even a little bit in the topic a little bit later today, but also um, as we progress closer to the season. All right, moving to spot number two, which last week, if you missed the pod, we have established for the summer as our bracket spot. And this is our pop culture, food, music, some sports, movies, kind of you name it, um, like Four, four, you know, four pods, if you will, of four things that we're going to rank um, just for fun. Gives us something else fun to talk about. Um, spread the wealth beyond sports a little bit in what we call our silly season since we're not huge baseball guys until the Tigers really start cooking. Not huge NBA guys, not huge NHL guys. Um, and otherwise, all you're going to do is listen to us talk about golf, and I'm sure you'd rather not do that all the time. So, all right, Ryan. Ryan does not – he knows the, the – quote-unquote teams, the cereals. Um, I don't know if I told him how they were seeded, but we have not pre-discussed this. Um, so while he's in charge of a lot of the pod topics, I get to be in charge of this one. So in the number one overall region, we have, we'll call it the Kellogg region, and it's going to be going up against the private label region. So let's start with the Kellogg region, Ryan. The number one seed, Frosted Flakes, taking on the four seed, Cocoa Krispies. Oh, Frosted Flakes definitely takes that for me. Yeah, uh, both good though. Frosted, yeah, I gotta go Frosted Flakes. There, there may be another chocolatey cereal in here later anyway. That that's better. Not to tip my hand. Um, two seed Fruit Loops versus the three seed Frosted Mini Wheats. Oh, that's tough. I'll, I'll go Fruit Loops. Um, Big fan of both, but I'm a big fan of both too. And I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go. You can't really call them healthy, but I'm gonna give I'm gonna give the mini wheats a nod here in an upset, and I'm gonna go with the frosted mini wheats. So, all right, Ryan. So we got 
You have Frosted Flakes against Fruit Loops. Frosted Flakes are Frosted going Flakes. Yeah. I got Frosted Flakes against Frosted Mini Wheats, and I got to agree, Frosted Flakes. So Frosted Flakes makes it all the way through as the number one overall seed to the Final Four. And they'll face off the winner of this region, the private label region. They're not really private label cereals. We're not going to get into, like, the Meyer version of the Frutos or whatever. These are actual legit cereals that just didn't fit because I needed to have more. Um, the number one seed, Golden Grams, mm-hmm. taking on the number four seed, Cookie Crisp. Oh, that's tough. Um, oh, I like I like both, but Golden Grams, I think. Um, yeah, those are good. All right, number two seed, Cap'n Crunch. Facing off against the number three seed, a little bit of a sleeper here, Apple Jacks. I'm not a huge fan of E. I don't know if I've ever even had Captain Crunch. What? No, no. That's I've blasphemy. I just recently had the peanut butter. I've Captain had Apple Jacks. I'll say Apple Jacks, even though I don't. Oh know man, yeah. I, I'm going Golden Grams, and I'm going Captain Crunch. So Golden Grams or Apple Jacks, then. Uh, Golden Grams. And then I'm going to go with a little upset. Um, I love Golden Grams, but I'm going to go Captain Crunch, the number two seed, into the. Final four. All right, so now we're going to shift over to the other side of the bracket, the post region. Number one seed, Cocoa Pebbles, against number four seed, S'mores. Oh, oh, I'm going to go S'mores. I do like the Cocoa Pebbles, but... Man, nothing turns the milk chocolatier in all the chocolate cereals than Cocoa Pebbles. Cocoa Pebbles just absolutely romps over the S'mores because I hate S'mores anyway. Um, number two seed honey bunches of oats against the number three seed honey smacks. Oh, I'm gonna go honey smacks upset. Yeah, yeah, honey smacks are great. You gotta make sure that you roll up the bag pretty tight. I don't know, they don't come as Do much. I don't think they come in the foil bag anymore inside the box, but um, super good. But they can get stale pretty fast. So they got coke. So you got s'mores against honey smacks, right? And the four against the number three. Uh, I'm gonna go honey smacks. Number three seed, and I got cocoa pebbles against honey smacks. I gotta go cocoa pebbles. Um, like I said, not not one chocolate cereal out there. Not Franken. No, not not Count Chocula. Not cocoa pebbles. Not cocoa. Or sorry, not cocoa puffs. Not cr- cocoa krispies. None of them turn the ch- the milk as good. And you know the best part about cereal is drinking the milk from the bowl directly to the absolute chagrin and ire of my wife and probably women everywhere um i've got cocoa pebbles winning there and you had the honey smacks right yep. okay now um going to the general mills bracket we've got number one seed honey nut cheerios against mm-hmm. number four seed wheaties I don't like the wheaties. non-sugar cereal cheerios, of the sure. of the tournament honey nut cheerios honey sure. nut cheerios and the number two seed, or well, oh boy, I gotta pick. Man, that's hard. <coughs> it's a hard one for me. Now, I'll admit, when I was a kid, I liked Wheaties because I would dump sugar on them. But I actually like Wheaties, and I gotta give the one non-sugar cereal in this whole bracket the nod. As much as I do actually like Honey Nut Cheerios, I'm gonna go with Wheaties in, the, in a big upset, a four-one rare, sixteen-one upset there. Um, two Cinnamon Toast Crunch versus Lucky Charms. Three. Oh yeah. Uh, cinnamon Toast Crunch, I'll go with that. All right, Honey Nut Cheerios or Cinnamon Toast Crunch? Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go Lucky Charms, by the way. I'll go uh, uh, Honey Nut Cheerios. All right, and I am going to go with, uh, I got Wheaties, Lucky Charms. I'm going to go with Wheaties. I'm going to let Wheaties see all the way to the final four. All right, so going back, we both had Frosted Flakes. You have them going against, did you, Apple Jacks? No. Or no, Golden Grams. Yeah. Who you got? Frosted Flakes or Golden Grams? Uh, Frosted Flakes. Frosted Flakes. And I have Frosted Flakes against Cap'n Crunch. I'm going to go Frosted Flakes as well. 
And then we have, um, I think I had Cocoa Pebbles, you had Honey Smacks. Mm-hmm. So, Ryan, you have Honey Smacks against Honey Cinnamon Toast Crunch. No, Honey Nut Cheerios. Honey Nut Cheerios. Honey Nut Cheerios versus Frosted Flakes. All right, you got Honey Nut Cheerios. And I've got Frosted Flakes. Frosted winning. Flakes cutting down the nets. Yeah. All right, and I got Cocoa Pebbles against Wheaties. And I'm going to go Cocoa Pebbles. And I gotta go. I gotta go with Ryan. Frosted Flakes. If push comes to shove, if Mom yells, "What kind of cereal do you want from the store?" Ninety-nine times out of a hundred, I say Frosted Flakes. Frosted Flakes is the undisputed cereal champion in our house. Yep. Stay tuned next week. We'll throw something else funny at you. Um, might be candy. Might be music. I don't know. We got lots of different. We got a whole list of things we could talk about. All right. Moving it back to sports. What do we have for spot number three, Ryan? What's our Mount Rushmore this week? Uh, we will be doing the best golfers to never win a major championship. I remember, you know, forever, like in the 90s and early 2000s, the guys' names that would be on that list. And it's funny because I did a little bit of research and I was looking. And it's, now what you think of is obviously guys that are playing today for the most part. Um, so I didn't look back as far I'll throw out some names that are not going to be on the list, but like Colin Montgomery, he was one who always got talked about as best one to never win. He was always kind of a contender and never kind of got there. Um, you had plenty of guys like that back in the back in the day, but uh, you want to take the first one? Yeah, first I can go pick? first. Um, I'll just say it. A guy that's had runner-up in so many damn majors is Lee Westwood. That's the first name yeah. that came, came to mind to me when I said that. Um, yeah, he's had, he's been close a lot, but he's never, never gotten there. Yeah, he he has definitely been close, and it's tough because there's a lot of one major winners too that you sometimes forget really? have won a major. But for me, boy, it's it's tough because an e. They're all gonna go with my first one. I'm gonna go with an easy one, and he's but he's young and he's gonna win one. I'm sure, and that's Cantlay. He's yeah, been close. Well. He's been close um, already. He's I really playing. In the shadows of Scotty Scheffler, has actually been playing really well so far this year. Um, you know, he's a guy that to me he seems like a U.S. Open winning type of guy, um, maybe a PGA. Um, he you know did pretty well at the Masters the last couple of years too. But I definitely think he's going to be due. And for my second one, I got to go with my boy. I love this guy. I think he's got one of the greatest personalities in golf. He's a guy that I would absolutely put in my foursome. Unfortunately, I think his time has passed. I don't think he's gonna contend for a major again he can barely contend to make the cut and that's ricky, ricky yeah Fowler. oh yeah that's yeah I love feel- him love him i just something happened in the last couple of years i don't know if it's the yips or yeah. he's got sunglasses on he's not seeing well he's seeing well i don't i don't know what it is about him love the guy um root for him all the time just because he's just a good dude he just he's not gonna win one because he just he's just not there anymore i don't know what happened but yeah poor guy um Shoffley. Um I think he's got a major yeah. in his future as well. He's been close. Definitely a great one. A few times. Um, he's a heck of a player. He's a gold medal, though. Yeah, there you go. And I'm going to go with, uh, I mean, he's probably he's not going to win one. He's been close in some. He's a little older. Matt Kuchar. Mm-hmm. Um, I had him on my list. Definitely. Um, he had that battle with Spieth. I think it was 2017. Had him, and Spieth had like that, like 45 minutes between when you've had that shot oh in the British yeah he's been pretty he's been right there a couple times a couple US Opens couple British or Opens usually plays pretty well at the Masters 
likable dude. Got to meet him once uh, in my old job. He's a good guy. Um, really good, likable guy. Looks way older than he is, but um, yeah, I had him on my list too. So um, I don't have two. I only have two more guys left on my list that haven't been picked. So I get the next two picks. I'm going to go. Frozone Tony Finau. Yep. He's not had a great season this year. He didn't even get a win until last year in the FedEx Cup. Yeah, been um, a while. He's one of those like he's contended. He contended on that dislocated ankle at the Masters a few years ago. Um, he's contended in the U.S. Open a couple times. I think the fir- maybe the first time Brooks won it at Shinnecock. Finau was right there. Yeah, he's been close. He's a lot. close, and maybe because he's got a win under his belt, he might have a chance. He's still fairly young. Not been playing very well this year, but Finau. And for me, the other one is Tommy Fleetwood. Yep. Um, another guy that's just right there in the mix. He's always a top five, top ten guy, it seems like. Just hasn't been able to get over the hump. And for some guys, it happens later, like Mickelson, and then he went on a tear and you know, won his whatever. He's got six or seven. Um and you never know. And all it takes is one to be a major winner, obviously. Yeah, so, I mean, so we'll see. But yeah, Tommy Fleetwood rounds out my. Take group. much, oh man! I feel like that was all the guys I had. Um, I the name I keep seeing on here is Paul Casey, even though I hate that guy. Oh yeah, Paul Casey. Uncle Tom tells the story about Paul Casey and his brother and the nine eleven comments he made. But anyway, yeah, Casey's one that is usually right up there too. He's been like, up there a lot. Feels like the PGA Masters sometimes. Um, yeah, he's more of a guy, a guy that used to be kind of there and would contend. Luke Donald is a name that rings a bell. I haven't seen him really play in years. But yeah, I mean, you could throw Horschel in there for sure. Um, there's so many good young golfers now. It's just a matter of time with a lot right. of them. But, you know, you could easily, just as easily do um, Mount Rushmore of guys who've only had one. That would be probably pretty interesting. Yeah, too, that would be fun. Anyway, that is the Mount Rushmore for the week. Ryan, good pick on that. You can start thinking about Well, next week we won't have one because it's going to be all draft the whole time um spot number four so shout out to my buddy chris who we know is a loyal listener i don't think he's missed a pod yet um he takes us to heart when we ask for for ideas and he sent a couple my way one of them ryan doesn't know that i'm gonna throw in there and they're they're semi-related but this is something we talked about back in covid because back in might have even been in 2020 like right around when we started this thing in fact um, so it might have been before we even started the podcast. The Big Ten was set that year when they finally had the season to add an extra game at the end on championship. Yeah, they were going to do two that. Two versus yeah, yeah. two, three, three, four, four, five, five, six, six, seven, seven. So Chris posed the question is, should the Big Ten play a round robin on conference championship weekend and just, like, take it over? I don't I don't even know. Maybe that. maybe take it and put it on a day when nobody else is playing and just make it an entire Big Ten day, something like that, so you're not competing against you know the SEC and the ACC and stuff. But, you know, like the worst team plays the worst team, so you get your crossover. But no rematches would be the one kind of caveat, so it might get a little tricky with that. Um, I'm, told, I'm actually fine if you just seed it out and play 1v1 all the way to 7v7, but if you wanted to avoid... Uh, you know, a, a Rutgers Northwestern rematch. I think that's fine. Um, and he kind of posed playing indoors at several different venues, um, like Ford Field. You know, you could play in Minnesota. Obviously, Indy. You got, you know, you got the championship game, or maybe you play them and you flip a coin and you do them at home. I don't. 
play Soldier Field. That'd be yeah, cool. I mean, I don't know that they have to be inside. I think that there's enough green. You could play at Lambeau. That'd be cool. Soldier oh, Field, okay. Ford Field, you know, Cleveland Stadium. You could play in Cincinnati. I mean, like, you could play in just all the Midwest, even just NFL venues, call it, and just take over a day. Um, it'd be hard to do it. You wouldn't want to wait too long. You wouldn't want to wait two weeks. That's Army-Navy Saturday. Can't obviously do it on a Sunday because NFL, but I don't know. I like the idea, and, and maybe just do it on a Friday, or maybe, I don't know, maybe that's two. Well, that's seven games. It's not that many. Um, it feels like you could stagger them, like tournament play, and play them through and just, like, have 12 hours of uh, – probably actually it'd be more like 21 or 22 hours. So maybe you have to do it over two days. But either way, um, love the idea – because everybody gets 13 games in a year. They get one extra conference game. I know the Big Ten is weighing. Do they go back to eight so they can have more? They can have four out-of-conference games instead of the nine and three that they have now. I don't know, Ryan, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that's a – I love that idea. I'm sorry they haven't done that. I mean, they were going to, obviously, for the COVID. But, yeah, I would I would like that. I think that would be a, a nice touch, cool way to end the season. Yeah, and, I mean, like he, he threw out there – you know, if you even could find four in, indoor venues, but I think we agree they don't have to be indoor. And you could even, he's, the, he's proposed you do it on the same day, noon and 4.30 with a championship game at, in sight with a third game at 8 o'clock. So, um, you know, you'd have competing a little bit, so it wouldn't be just all eyeballs on those games. But even worst case, you know, you got three games at noon and three games at 4.30 and one game at 8. I mean, I think that'd be pretty cool. I think a lot of people would tune in probably – it would probably ding, maybe not the SEC, but it would ding probably the ACC. Definitely ding Conference USA, I think, plays that day. I think it would ding Big 12 because the Big 10 has such a big following. But love the idea, um, you know, or even if you only want to reward, like, your top four teams. I don't know. Something like that, though, I think is a way to get creative. Um and I, if you give everybody a chance, it gives everybody one more chance, one more week of practice, which is what everybody clamors for with bowl season. Um, so I really like that concept. The other thing that he threw out to me, and I, I, the only struggle I have on this is because it's an ESPN thing, and I absolutely abhor and hate and can't stand ESPN. But this must have recently come out. The ESPN's FPI rankings for the 2022 season. Um Chris is wondering, Ryan, if we agree, are these too high, too low, just right? So I'm going to give them to you in order. Okay. They've got Ohio State number two. In the country? Yeah, this is FPI for the entire okay. time. Yeah, I mean, I'd say they're probably, I don't know if they're two, but I mean, they're definitely top five. They lost seven banks today to LSU in the yeah, transfer portal. I mean, their defense is, is going to be what it's going to be. I mean, they have Jim Knowles is over from Oklahoma State, but... Uh, C.J. Stroud is really good. I might not say number two, but I'll say... I'll say top five top for five. sure. Top Trayvon five. Henderson's a stud. Jackson Smith and the Jigba. Um, amazing. I'm already going to give you a big fat no on this one. Number seven, Michigan. Wolverines. I mean, they're top 15 team, but not top... I mean, they they lost their whole defense. Their, their offense could be very good. I'll their offense could be good. I'll give them that. Um, top 15, not number seven. Number 12, Penn State. No. What What did they what Yeah, did they based have? on what? He lost their best player in Jahan Dotson. Basically, they're, every great player on their defense is gone. They played a 19-overtime <laughs> game against Illa-frickin'. I mean, I mean, I get it. 
Like they have, they got that. What, what's the, that tight end? Strange. He's pretty good, but they have no it's run game. They, Parker a... Washington's a decent receiver, but Sean Clifford really, he's not that good. And their defense lost a lot, and they lost their defensive coordinator. Manny Diaz is their next defensive or new defensive. We coordinator. saw Michigan State. That he's they terrible. Have. I'll go top twenty-five. They're maybe top like twenty-two to twenty-five, but not number twelve. Yeah, number sixteen, Michigan State. I'd say Michigan State's top fifteen. I think the you know the the offense is going to be something. I think the defense is. I mean, I'd say they're like a four, thirteen or fourteenth best team. Definitely top fifteen. Not. I think that's a little. little yeah, long. sixteen is. I think it's about right for Michigan State. I I, I think that <clears throat> you know it'll be a different offense for Michigan State this year. Obviously, Kenneth Walker was RPO. Uh, all by himself, but you got Peyton Thorne, who's got another year under his belt, like Ryan talked about in the spring. Thing they got, they've got a lot of options at running back. I think there's going to be some ways to maybe cover some of that lack of depth at the O line um, with some creativity and not, and not just force the run. They tried to force the run in Tucker's first year and nothing really worked. But we also had Rocky Lombardi as a quarterback at the time. So we got Wisconsin at number twenty one. I mean, they've got Braylon Allen thinks the running back he was good last year. Graham Mert sucks. He yeah, sucks. They, I think it's time for They've Wisconsin to kind of defense, evolve a little bit. Um, he sucks. I get He's it, bad. sticking to your roots, but man, to what end, right? Like, I don't know. Twenty-one, I guess, seems about right because Wisconsin usually does well, but they were kind of a dud last year, fell flat. I'll say top twenty-five for them. Then it drops off. Number thirty-five, a little bit of a surprise here, given that they haven't gone to a bowl game in forever. Nebraska. Based on what, I'm not I really sure, but ahead of number 38, Iowa. Yeah, that's I, I don't like that. And Iowa, we know, is what Iowa is, but they always have a good defense and they have a serviceable offense. Iowa's like Wisconsin. They need to get with the times on offense a little bit. And yeah, recruit a little I mean, bit they always have there, great offensive line play. Good tight ends. Tight ends. Mm-hmm. Defense is usually pretty solid. Number 40, Minnesota. Yeah, I buy that. Ibrahim's right. coming back. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think Tanner Morgan's great, but I think that, you know. This one seems high to me because of how much we dogged on him last year when we did our previews. Number 43, Maryland. Yeah, I, I mean, the perennial about. most overrated team. I don't even want to talk about that. That's going to make me mad. They're terrible. <laughs> Number 44, Purdue. I think they're too low. I think they could be really good. I like Aiden O'Connell a lot. Yeah, they the way they played against Tennessee. I think the that's game, that could be like a top State. thirty-five. They lose some big pieces on defense. Yeah, I mean, they lose David Bell on offense. You know, but, but they they come up with a new receiver yeah, all they, the time. They do so. have great receivers, and I mean, Aiden O'Connell can sling it. So, mm-hmm. now, and then could be a good team. then there's another big drop off. Number sixty-six, Indiana, who was a they absolute doormat. I don't think year. they'll be good this year either. I don't think Allen's a great coach. Mm-hmm. I think they're I think they're lower than that. I think they're maybe more like seventy fifth to me. Number seventy three, Illinois, yeah, climbing they're, because they're they had climbing. a decent year last year. Yeah, I think Bielema's. I mean, I don't like. I've flip flop Indiana and Illinois. He's a good coach. I think he's uh, he he knows how to build a program. He's got Midwest ties. And then eighty two and eighty three, Northwestern, Rutgers to round it up. So I mean, that's yeah. all fourteen teams in the Big Ten in the top eighty three. And mind you, there's about one hundred and thirty or so teams in FCS or FBS, but. Those feel about right. Northwestern's due for one of those come out of nowhere years. They had a crappy year last year. They're kind of like an every other year team. 
And it's usually that every other year when you're like, yeah, Northwestern's going to go back to sucking that all of a sudden they win nine, 10 games. I don't know. We haven't looked at that far ahead, obviously, but, and Rutgers don't sleep on Rutgers. I, I think, no, I think I like Shiano's a good coach. A good, He's a good, good quarterback coming in. Good. Good, uh, I, yeah, they had that star. freshman that came in yep, midseason last year. Right? You think he's going to be their guy? Like yeah. I, out of these, I could see Rutgers and he can recruit. So yeah, I could see Rutgers definitely being better than Maryland, probably better than Purdue, better than Indiana, better than Northwestern. Is not Northwestern. good. Not yeah. good. I don't think Rutgers is the worst team. I really don't. All right, spot number five. They were in a bowl Golf. game. Like- yeah. Last minute ad. Spot number five, our usual spot, golf. Still looking for a title sponsor for the golf section, just saying. Um, so we've got a couple different things we can talk about here, Ryan. We'll talk about a little bit about the RBC mm-hmm. at Her- Heritage. We'll talk a little bit about this week, the Zurich, the team event, which is pretty cool. Yep. Um, last week, last year, this time, were the start of my, my heater of winning picks. My picks did dog meat this week. We'll get to that. So another Chris posed question. So Chris, good day for you on text. It must not have been a busy day at work. All right. He says, there are four components to the game. Off the tee, approach, or around the green and, and putting. Which one would you be great at, good at, bad at, terrible at? And you have to use all four categories. Wait, can you repeat the question? So off the tee, great, good, bad, terrible. Approach, great, good, bad, terrible. Around the green, good, great, good, bad, terrible. Putting, great, good, bad, terrible. And you can only be, you have to use them all once. So you got to be terrible at something. I think, I think I'm, I would say I'm great around the green. Not, not what you are. What do you need to be to be? Oh, to be great. To be oh, a better golfer. Okay. Like just me or anybody? Because I could tell you're terrible at all these things. Yeah. <laughs> is, it, is it great? Like me or is it an No, it's what, what. If you could pick okay. to be the best you could be. I would, I think to be, I think approach, like, is real, I think you have to be good approach, great putting. Like, did you say, like, average? Uh, is that one of them? Good and terrible are your other two. Okay. I'd say, did I say? So you have, you have good and terrible off the tee or around the green are your last two. I'd say... I mean, you could be terrible, good off the tee, and then I'd say, I guess terrible around the green. I guess if you're hitting great approach shots, you're gonna. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So that's your that's your mindset. So you're good off the tee, great approach. No, yeah, great approach, right? Yeah, great um, approach. Bad. But what I thought you were something. What was your putting? Was your putting good? I think I said good putting. Good putting. Okay, good. Great approach, good putting, bad driving, terrible around, around the green. Okay, gotcha. All right, so, boy, for me, off the tee, I would say bad, which is pretty accurate now. I would say approach, terrible, which is probably with my greens and regulation is about what I am now. I would say around the green, great and putting good because i think around the green if you're great you can cover those bad sins from the approach whether you're putting the bunker or you just flare them right long short for me or for most amateurs the miss is short uh short right um so that's how i would go that's a good intriguing question chris and you could change it a million times like i would love to be great at all of them realistically that's not going to happen i just 
really just being average at off the tee and average and approach and great at the other two, I'd be pretty happy with. But yeah. Um, all right. RBC recap. So here's one little stat I wanted to throw out there that I saw that was cool. Cantlay has low key, low key. I said earlier that he's been playing great. Finished fourth or better in six of his last eleven events. Did you realize that? As he's, well as Scheffler's so playing. steady. He's so steady. He's just kind of like plain vanilla. He's got way too much sunscreen on his face. Doesn't he looks like kind of a Gumpasaurus Rex, um, but he's steady. Now he misjudged the wind on eighteen in the playoff and plugged it right. in the bunker, and then you know that was all she wrote was Spieth, but. I'll, I'll go first on a couple thoughts. N- number one, especially having played there, it was fun to watch it a year after Very having cool. played there. Um, now, for us personally, I don't remember 14 being the hardest hole, probably because the whole damn course is hard for people that are very yeah, average very golfers. Hard. But 14 is the number one toughest course on that or hole on that course. And it's funny because it can range from, I think, Saturday's 155-yard par 3 yeah, to Sunday was 195. Pond right pretty tight left because and we saw with Lowry was over there in the pine straw and bladed a chip that went across the green and over into the water um really fun to watch that I mean I love those holes coming in 14 15 16 17 18 great holes 16 17 18 I've just yeah that's played one of the pretty best poorly on but they're, holes they're so that. fun to play and then to watch those guys and so many guys in contention I mean your top 10 were all within what a stroke or two of the lead right so um Spieth misses literally an 18-inch putt on Saturday. Could have cost him the tournament. Great advice from his wife. Take five seconds. Because they counted. That was a little over a second that he waited from missing the birdie putt to trying to tap in. Um, And he's been doing that a lot lately. I actually read a good story from Golf Magazine about how Spieth doesn't feel like he's been playing great. But he's actually been striking the ball really well. But he's just been making these like total brain fart mistakes. Which is part of the reason he's endeared himself. Because... Then he pulls off the unbelievable, and everybody loves it. He's kind of like Arnie Palmer used to be that way, right? Or Phil. Like, you're just like, oh, my gosh, you just did that. You just ruined your day. And then, oh, my gosh, you just did that. You just won the tournament. Um, Feel for Varner. I'm really, really rooting for him to win. That rules violation set him back a little bit. He had a good, not just an average day Saturday, but he had a good day Sunday. He had a chance coming in. um, Straka, who came out of nowhere to He's win a couple weeks ago. Really he was right there and had a chance to win. And I'm mad, Varner. There were good guys missed the cut, too. Like, Dustin missed the cut. Or Kyle. I mean, there's good players that missed the cut, but a great tournament. I wouldn't read too much into guys missing the cut there because it's a it's a very tight course. If you're kind of a bomb and gouge, like a, a you know Bryson would not play well there because there's no way. He would just be in with the alligators all the time, so... Um, I don't know, what did you think on RBC, right? Yeah, um, I mean, I'm happy that Spieth won. Um, you know, f- glad he's back in the winter. Two Easters in a row. Can he win next year next on Easter's? Easter's Masters, Masters Sunday. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I was kind of bummed that Varner didn't get the win. I really want to see him get one. I'm also bummed Lowry didn't win because he was winning and I had him. I picked That's your second win. time you've had your um, winner choke down the stretch. Twice, yeah, not cool. Um, but, yeah, I mean, not bad. Um, you know, it's fun to watch it. Um, the course is really cool. Um, so yeah, um, Zurich. How did well? How did our picks do this week? Oh yeah, not um, good for me. So Lowry obviously was up there. I think he was T three, and then Na was twenty six. So I was twenty ninth combined. Your guys both missed the cut. Ouch. Yeah, it was a bad week for me. Bad bad picks. I was 
hedge him with Connors, who I think flared out a little bit at the end, but he was decent. You picked Hickok and Henley. Yeah, they did not. They did not fare very well at all. I think Henley only missed it by one, but Hickok played it like I did last year. All right, so the Zurich, which is a great because it's different. It's two man. Very I think, fun. I think it's two days of best ball and two days of alternate shot. So it's kind of a quasi Ryder Cup format. And speaking of which, that stud team from the Ryder Cup, Zan, is it Xander and Cantlay? They're playing together. That just seems like can, taking candy from a baby. I mean, they're like plus eight hundred on FanDuel to win it. I honestly, I stayed away from that just because I think it's too obvious. I picked last year Smith and Leishman, and they're right up there too, odds yep. wise. But um, what what two pairs? Do oh, you have I had Cantlay and 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 Shoffley because of that. Um, and then my other ones, Morkow and Hovland. Big reason why. The lat when they did one on one in the uh, Ryder Cup, best ball fifty nine in the last round. They did combine, so I, I like those. Yeah, guys. that's great. Those are two good picks. Those and are and they're young friends, odds. you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think this is the nice thing is because you get kind of the buddies thing. I mean, yeah, Scheffler's playing with Palmer, right? I mean, like, does Palmer ride Scheffler's hot streak to the to the win? I don't know. I'm going to go a little bit longer shot. I've got not long shot by any stretch, but I got Burns and Horschel. Horschel's been playing pretty well this year, and Burns has been also playing well this year. They're together. Um, kind of a little bit of an odd couple because Horschel is just kind of a he's a human volcano. And then the other one, a little bit more my dog, they're plus 2,400, is Gooch and Homa. Sounds, okay. like, a, sounds like a a bad <laughs> TV police sitcom, Officer Gooch and Officer Homa. But Gooch has been playing well this year, and Holmes got got a. I think he has a dub this year, um, and has been playing really well. So those are those are my my picks. Um, last bit on golf, I found this newsworthy. I found this today. Speaking of nil, um, Hooters has signed. How appropriate is this? John and John Daly and John the Second to a deal. Of course, if you watch golf, you know John Daly is like Hooters spokesman extraordinaire. Um, Probably lived in there. Yeah, right. That's it, Hooters' first NIL college ambassador, John Daly II. This is a great quote from him. I have seen my father's great relationship with Hooters over the years, and I'm going to add my own words, and the Hooters waitresses. And I'm proud to continue my family's association with this iconic brand. Um, there could not be a better slam dunk fit for an NIL for a sponsorship, unless it was like, Making teas out of Miller Light or cigarettes, Bud Light or cigarettes or something Diet for Coke. for JD himself. So yeah, crazy. Um, just kind of a funny one in golf, and it just goes to show you golf does have a sense of humor. All right, let's move now to the sprint portion of the broadcast. First free throw line and back. Michigan State player you are most excited to see come September. Oh man, um, it's 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 easy for me. It's Jaden Reed. I want to see the all purpose. I want to see him put it all together. I want to see him have a season where, like, oh dang, he could be a Heisman contender. He's he's impressive. yeah. I mean, if he takes last year and improves on it, watch he's out. Gonna be unbelievable. I'm gonna go speed just because Michigan State sucked so much at the corner in in secondary last year. With what you said, with his size, with his speed, with his length, speed, no pun intended. I, I'm curious to see how how good he is, especially coming into from Georgia as a I think a sixty year guy. 
Uh, half court and back. Should Eric Van Royen's mustache be banned for life? Yeah, that thing needs to be shaved yesterday. It's horrible. If you haven't seen it, it looks like he's from the nineteen like the silent 1890s. film era. It's yeah, it's it's bad, Awful. and it makes him like you physically want to root against him. It's so bad. It's not iconic. It's just bad. Um, far free throw line and back is. I can't remember. Oh, Chris might have given me this one too. Actually, Izzo has to, has to take one transfer between Imani Bates and Rocket Watts. Who does he I'd take and why? We can't have no Imani. But he said that. with a caveat, Imani's got to behave, and they said it's all it's your way, Izzo. That would so no happen. baggage. That would last. That five would never seconds. happen. That would never happen. I like Rocket. I you know how I feel about Bates. I think he sucks. I think he's overrated. I think he's, he's a prima donna. I don't think he's got the right attitude. I think he's got alligator arms. I don't think he's that great. I too liked Rocket. Rocket honestly could have really helped Michigan State this year if he would have just felt comfortable enough knowing that he could go back to the two because he would have Hogard that could set him up. Michigan State needed a knockdown shooter, and hey, if he wanted to come back, he's got to sit out a year. Now that the, I don't know if you would have to, though, because it was original school. I yeah, I don't know how that goes, but um, it will never happen, but that would be for me. I, I'd stay away from I wouldn't touch Bates with a 100-foot pole. Um, yeah. And long and back, cereal as a nighttime snack or no? Yeah, I like it every once in a while. I, I, I like it too much. I need to stay away from it. I need to get my beach bot on for Hilton Head, so I'm going to avoid it for the next six weeks, but yes. Especially cocoa pebbles or frosted flakes, and let me drink the milk afterwards when my wife's not watching. All right, Ryan, wrap us up with a little social media shout. Final score thirty-five on Twitter. Um, if you know anybody who's looking to be a sponsor, love to have a, a golf spot sponsor. Um, so let us know if you have any ideas. Um, if you have any ideas for the pod, hit us up. Um, Chris, yeah. thanks for keeping them coming. If yeah, you want to, if that. you want to see an iconic video uh, i posted on my tiktok today which uses the final score not as the handle but if you i think if you search the final score podcast sure, you might find it's well. ag spartan fan and something like that but whatever um not pod related but fun nonetheless a little shout out to team anders realtors our presenting sponsor fantastic they've oh, been man. with us all 70 episodes um we will take a break here in a couple weeks the only week that we've ever taken a break was last year when we went to hilton ed we will be doing that again this year um, but regardless of that coming down the pipe, we've got some good stuff coming next week with the draft. We've got plenty of sports. Keep the topics coming. Feed them to us on text. Feed them to Ryan. Um, we're always game to talk about whatever. You got any special guests you want us to try to wrangle up, we'd be happy to. Um, but again, thank you to Team Anders uh, Realtors, our presenting sponsor. If you have realty needs, especially here in West Michigan, TeamAnders.com is the place to start. To be. Meanwhile... As Tony the Tiger likes to say, they're great.